ready. Let's do it right now, right here. Come on. Right. Same as last time, remember? Your crowd control, I handle employees. Mm. Mm. I love you, pumpkin. I love you too, honey bunny. Everybody be cool. This is a comedy sketch podcast. Any one of you pricks move and we'll release every last Welcome to Release the Clown's Sketch Comedy Podcast. I'm Alex Marion, and I'm here with my co-host, Nick Hildred. And we're talking to one of our favourite writers, someone who's been with us pretty much from the start, who's written lots of sketches for us, and today she's going to be picking her favourite sketches and talking to us about them. And you just heard her there. That was the dulcet tones of Karen Morden. Hello, Karen. Hello, Alex. Hello, Nick. Hello. Yay, Karen Morden in the house. Well, Yay. not in the house. In, the house, in a different in, house. In her own house. In a house. In a house. In, in the virtual Zoom house. So, Karen, uh, we just heard the Pulp Fiction intro. How did that come about? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure who wrote it. Was it one of you guys? I, I don't think it was written. As such. I think you, you guys oh. advised it, didn't you? I think we were oh, just yeah, messing about in the studio. And then somebody got the clip up. Yes, that's right. Yes, I'd completely forgotten it was improvised. It's really, yeah, I, I think uh, spirits were very high uh, without alcohol. <laughs> it was just, it, there's, there was something in the air, wasn't there? Probably I think it was towards no the air. end of a, a, a long recording session and we were possibly slightly to, to, tired. And deprived yeah. of oxygen, perhaps. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, a small recording studio. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, I think we would, one of the sketches gave us the idea of um, of doing a Pulp Fiction intro. Uh, and I, I remember feeling kind of slightly goaded to, to scream my lungs out and... Uh, <laughs> to out Amanda, <laughs> my vocal Amanda Plummer. Yeah. What I liked about that, because I'm not in that sketch, so I was I was doing the engineering thing. What I liked about it was was it was a wonderful homage to them. Alex even sounds slightly like what's his name? What's it, I do? I've always sounded a lot like what's his name? What is his Who name? Who sounds a little bit like Tim Roth? Tim Roth, that's it. There's one <laughs> point you actually do sound quite a lot like Tim Roth, and Karen, you sound quite a lot like Amanda Plummer. Which, considering neither of you is an impressionist, I thought was pretty good. Uh, and the great thing about Amanda Plummer is she is good at plumbing. <laughs> And so is her dad. Her dad trained as a plumber before becoming an actor. Her dad demand a plumber. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've got a question. How did we get fortunate enough to get Karen on board with Release the Clowns? You two go. It's a good question. Karen. Very good question. Uh, well, we met at a course run by the Free Association, aka FA, which was uh, about writing comedy sketches. And it was done by the, the illustrious Liz Kingsman, aka Smith, aka something else perhaps. Uh, Massive and it's, <laughs> Yes. And uh, what was the name of the uh, it, was, it was kind of written and created by some comedy writers whose names I've forgotten. Yeah, very famous. 
very big yeah, very famous. writers who met something brothers, the Dawson brothers. Daw- Dawson brothers, yeah. I'm but sorry. They're supposed, have... be, they're supposed to be quite good, aren't they? Apparently so. Yeah. Sorry, I do have like COVID brain, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we should say at this point that, um, that, that Karen is plagued. Yeah, not uh, infectious wise, but I have, uh, I'm one of those people with the long term uh, symptoms syndrome, which isn't very nice, but we won't dwell on that too much. Let's not dwell on that. No. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, my, my brain is. Uh, but yeah, we were on the we were on the course together, um, and we were already talking about doing the the podcast, which is partly why I went on the course to sort of refresh my sketch writing muscles. And um, yeah. I met Karen, liked Karen, liked the work she did, and asked her to come along. Yeah, <laughs> foolishly <laughs> she said yes. <laughs> oh, now it's very honoured. It's very honoured. It was it was a, a good class. There were lot, lots of uh, great people in it, and. Uh, yeah, taught very well. The, the sort of whole FA ethos added an extra dimension, let's say. Yeah, I think they, they were very hot on sort of economy of language. Um, mm. So it was it was probably the first time I'd ever actually specifically set my had had word limits set for myself on really? sketches. Wow. Yeah, yeah, um, and I think sorry, uh, it was the economy of concepts as well. Almost like if you were uh, escalating something you kind of they were very strict about you know not being repetitive or not staying on the same level you they, you know you really had to take something up to the next level line by line you, you couldn't really kind of you know they didn't allow you to kind of to the stay in the under like <laughs> yes yeah. they were very hot on not 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 escalating too quickly wow yes going not going to crazy town yes. uh, okay but, what immediately but you could in the end in the end right if if you if you went through all the requisite steps to get there but yeah you couldn't be complacent either that's it's a fine balance on which subject shall we get on to your sketches yeah okay then so the first one we're going to listen to is moo poo well i think we're starting at the bottom aren't we uh (laughs) (laughs) quite literally yes (laughs) uh let's listen to it then and then we'll We'll talk about it. From the internationally renowned labs of Ariola Paris, who brought you lavage de Fassage, soap soap bar and miscellaneous water, comes a revolution in skincare. A breakthrough way to cleanse, tone and moisturise that's clinically proven to combat the 127 signs of ageing. And it's totally natural and naturally sourced from nature. Mupu is produced exclusively on my organic farm in Provence. Rub Mupu into your skin and say goodbye to fine lines, blemishes and uneven patches. Here comes the science bit. Mupu is bursting with over 50 nutrients and its concentrated nitrogen formula encourages renewal of the epidermis. Seedgrass gently exfoliates while wheat straw eliminates free radicals. You deserve a luxury skincare experience every day. 72% of women agree that if you don't want to look like an agad munter, you should buy Mupu now for only £299.99 a bottle. Don't be a victim of your own unforgivable neglect. Start using Mupu and discover a truly unique radiance. And it's not just for your face. Slather Mupu all over for complete body confidence. 
order Moopoo today and get a bonus gift absolutely free. Choose from tanning turds, manure manicures or eyebrow muck while stocks last. Yo, welcome! Release the clowns. <laughs> so yes, yeah. that was Moopoo. That was Moopoo. <laughs> it's, so, it's a parody ad. It Yay. is. It's a, it's a venerable <laughs> tradition. It's a venerable <laughs> tradition. It's also one of the rare parody ads not written by Hildred, <laughs> yeah, which, is, which is nice. It gives it a different a different tone. I, I will say we've we've mentioned this before in in these shows, but um, there's a, there there are some lines that are just so particularly lovely. Um, and Agad Munda in a French accent <laughs> is just a beautiful thing. Yeah, that, that, that line really is. When, when said in the French accent, it just goes to a level of wonder. <laughs> yeah, I didn't really plan that. A bit. Uh, I think we might have just decided on the day to do it in a French accent. Well, yeah. it certainly worked. It was a very good decision. So, <laughs> yeah. so Karen, talk us through why you felt moved to create Moot. <laughs> okay, well, uh, it was initially written uh, quite a few years ago, as a lot of these sketches seem to be. I kind of, you know, wrote them when I first started writing sketches and I sort of found that idea is sound but the execution not so much and then kind of went back to them later on and actually, you know, looked at the, the language a bit more and the structure and so on. But I guess the... Uh, the influence or the inspiration for the sketches is, is those uh, any kind of beauty ads really um, I mean the the L'Oreal ones are the, is the, are the most famous ones I suppose it's kind of saying because you're worth it um, so it's yeah I mean it, those ads are a nice way of kind of satirizing uh, <laughs> the beauty industry I mean because a lot a lot of kind of um, you know beauty activity does involve kind of slapping a load of gunk on yourself and it really isn't that much of a stretch to kind of imagine uh, that it's uh, that you're um slathering cow excrements yeah <laughs> especially the more people the more people go towards natural products <laughs> exactly yeah the most uh, natural yeah. product of all <laughs> I, I love the I love the your takedown of the pseudo scientific language yeah. that's used. It's, it's something that's come up. I, I I I think this might have appeared after you wrote this, but um, something I've noticed recently in some adverts for beauty products that they keep going about is golden vitamin C. What the, what? What the hell is golden vitamin C? It's nothing. It's no. It's it's no more useful than your miscellaneous water. Miscellaneous water. Yes. That well, that is. was. Because <laughs> miscellaneous uh, water was certainly another of those trends that suddenly yeah. you know, something gets discovered, and you know whether people find it useful for beauty or not, it just becomes, you know, everyone jumps on the bandwagon. It makes people a lot of money for a, a short time, and it kind of gets picked in everything or becomes part of the range of you know of whatever brand of <laughs> beauty brands uh, going. So yeah, and I guess also because I. I do actually like products that are natural and not so full of chemicals, but there, there's a sort of whole load of, of products that purport to be kind of organic or natural and aren't. 
or that you know might be natural but might not be any use either so it's so I suppose all of those things kind of feed into doing it and just making it into something a bit ridiculous and fun and I also like the um the sort of I mean because they 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 do as you've mentioned like the ads do use the science bit or you know (laughs) people in white coats to present some kind of form of authority and so you get the sort of that, that it's kind of the, the the idea that it's scientifically proven to, to work, but then also this this kind of more sinister, uh, you know, way of of telling people and persuading people to buy the products. And they, you know, and that was the other thing that um, that I did in this sketch or tried to do in this sketch uh, was that you know that it, almost to kind of say you know if if you if you really care about yourself and don't want to be ugly, then you must buy this product because that's the kind of, you know, deconstructed message that underlies a lot of these adverts. And also, um, as you say, this this thing of the the scientists. They, they, I mean, there's something quite sinister about that. There's been quite the, all those behavioural experiments where people will do almost anything if a scientist tells them to do it. Yeah, except yeah. Donald Trump in the case of uh, Dr. Fauci, <laughs> or anything else, or anything else. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I, well, I remember. Uh, one of the one of the lines that, that did get knocked around was the 127 signs of aging, and that was the one um, Phil Phil Whelan's really liked that because it's it's a ridiculous number, you know, it is a stupid <laughs> it's a stupid number to hit on, uh, and that's why that works so well because if you do 10, 20 signs of aging. Is yeah. We actually had that conversation. Yeah, it leads How to many, more. Right. You saw the 127 signs of aging you, you've written in the script, and then somebody somebody around the table did say, is that is that the funniest number? You know, and, and, <laughs> and uh, there, there were, yeah, it, it was the funniest I think number. 127, because isn't it traditionally in, in the adverts they always say seven, which is another thing they do, use a number, and it sounds authoritative. Yes. Um, yeah. Like where, when was this consensus come yeah, to? Yeah, exactly. And I'm, I'm only 50 <laughs> and I'm way past seven signs of ageing already. Yeah. <laughs> but 127 actually at this point seems quite reasonable to me. I've got to say, the, 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 the listeners are very lucky that they can't see Alex. <laughs> I, I don't know whether our, our listeners are familiar with the picture of Dorian Gray. But imagine that walking around South London um, <laughs> teaching young people. <laughs> And the things they learn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, crikey. There you go, my DBS check. Thanks, Nick. I always thought that, uh, that Alex was, was Dorian Gray and Nick was the picture. <laughs> <laughs> I've always liked Karen. <laughs> always <laughs> liked Karen. I, I always wondered whether she was pulling her weight in the show. Um, <laughs> she is now. So on, that, on that note, shall we well, listen to the next sketch? Yes, please. Okay, and this is a sketch called Elephant. Okay, oh gosh, it's got two different endings. Which one do we do? Oh, did we go with the skedaddle? Yeah, okay. yeah. Here we go. Definitely. Oh, of course we did. I've got two <laughs> versions of it. One is elephant sensible, and the other one's elephant skedaddle ending. <laughs> There's a sensible version of this. <laughs> okay, here we go. You're 
listening to The Factual World on Radio Old. We start tonight's show with the esteemed naturalist, Delia Bibblecrisp, who's going to talk about elephants. Now, Delia, there are two main types of elephant, aren't there? Yes, as many people know, one type of elephant has large ears and comes from Africa. And the other? The other type has enormous purple spotted tusks and lives on the planet Venus. I'm sorry, you're saying there are elephants living on Venus? Elephants on Venus? Preposterous. Elephants live in Africa and Asia. But you just said there were elephants with purple spotted tusks living on Venus. I most certainly did not. But, uh, all right, my mistake. What do elephants eat? Their diet mainly consists of grasses, leaves and roots. And could you tell us something about the elephant's trunk? Yes, the trunk is used for many purposes, including breathing, lifting water and providing chill-out music for lighthouse keepers. Elephants provide chill-out music for lighthouse keepers? Of course they don't. But you just said that they did. Yes, every elephant's trunk contains hundreds of tiny magic jellyfish, which make soothing sounds and emit a green neon glow. This is ridiculous. You seem to be alternately lying and telling the truth. Yes, it's what I do. And that's the truth, is it? No. Ah, is your name Delia? Yes, my name is Delia. What is your name? I told you, my name is Derek Fingle-Fangle Weissmertzer. Right, so you'll be telling the truth next? Yes. Don't try and catch me out. I wasn't. Truth again next. Delia, you are no doubt aware of the rumours about you, so tell me, are you in fact involved in the illegal ivory trade? No, not at all. I'm very glad to hear that. OK, let's get the lie out of the way. How tall are elephants? African elephants stand 3 to 4 metres and Asian elephants stand 2 to 3.5 metres. Hang on. That was true, wasn't it? No, elephants are about the same size as a small cockatoo. That means you lied out of turn. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Yes, I did. So you did? No. Oh, I'm confused. What is your name? Romana Wellyhopper. Why did you lie twice in a row earlier? Because you said the word involved, which means I have to tell the truth. The word involved? Yes. So if I say the word involved every time, you'll have to tell the truth? Yes. Right. Delia Bibblecrisp, are you indeed involved in the illegal ivory trade? Hey, where are you going? That's not the rules. You have to tell me the truth. Yes, but you said the word indeed, which means I can run away without saying anything. Goodbye! Release the clowns. Ah, uh, the full skedaddle. The full, the full skedaddle, skedaddle ending. <laughs> my, my the skedaddle was very that. quiet my end. I don't know if that's... <laughs> it's certainly not quiet, and it's, it is a full skedaddle. And I love the fact that actually there was a discussion about whether or not to do that, <laughs> what, what we should, what, how it should end. Should it just be running away, or do we do the skedaddle? We Thank have to do the, the skedaddle. Yeah. Full cartoon mode. Yeah, you see, thankfully, we're, 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 we're sort of of a mind that if we can do the cartoony, we, we do the cartoony. Yeah. You know, if so it fits. If it fits. It should be done. So, yes. 
how were you involved in (laughs) (laughs) nice (laughs) (laughs) very good um What's a good question to ask at this point? (laughs) Where did you get the idea from? Or, you know... uh, Well, that's enough, isn't it? Okay, (laughs) Karen, you were involved in the writing of that sketch. Where did you get the idea from? Okay, I have to tell the truth now. Uh, I did a, a comedy writing, sketch writing course, a short course where we had to write sketches inspired by Monty Python. And it's another one I kind of returned to when I had, a, you know, a few more skills to kind of do it properly. Um, but, yeah, it is very much a sort of homage to that kind of classic sketch, uh, you know, often written by Eric Idle, where there's a lot of silly wordplay, it's sort of in that nonsense sort of tradition. Uh, things like you know man speaking anagrams don't ask me to quote anything because I can't <laughs> don't worry yeah, <laughs> um, or, or the um, the very famous T. Ronnie sketch uh, uh, the mastermind answering the question for last kind of sketch yeah. where there's, there's essentially a kind of puzzle or logical contrivance or conceit for the sketch so it's sort of quite I suppose it's quite sort of reviewy type sketch isn't it it's very nonsensical um rather than kind of making a, a point <laughs> anything. I, I would have gone with just marvelously silly yeah yeah that good. too that too <laughs> definitely silly yeah but it, it's i mean it was quite it's one of those ones where it's it's sort of enjoyable to write in the in the sense like you know like i enjoy doing a crossword or something like yeah. you have to sort of really work out, okay, at this point she's lying, at this point she's telling the truth, and at this point the rules change. So um, I'd love to write more sketches like this. But they're, quite, <laughs> they're, they're quite involved uh, to do. Did you find, because you said this about the, the last sketch as well, and I find it quite interesting, there's something quite nice about dusting off something, an, an old sketch, and, and actually rewriting it using what you know now to make it better. Um, did yeah. you find that was that was the main the main issue with the sketch, the way it was written before? Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was sort of kind of like a, a sculpture that hasn't quite been finished, or it's been done in a very hand-fisted way. Whereas actually, you kind of need to be much more precise. So I often found the kind of ideas were already there uh, in my earlier sketches. But yeah, it sort of didn't have the quite the same. Yeah. Um, it might, you know, might not have found a, a way to excavate, or not enough had been made of of what was there, you know, because you, you kind yeah. of want to get, you know, I think, uh, you know, it didn't have enough of the silly names in it, which you really need in this kind of sketch. Mm. Um, also, what I like is the escalation. That it, it it sort of has a very nice. Um, what's what I'm looking at? It, yeah, it just just gets faster and faster. It, it's got a very nice cadence that that just piles on and on and on and on and 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 comes to a climax very nicely. Oh, thank you very much, Nick. <laughs> but I've got to say, you know, when going back to the sculpture thing and 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 you know taking what you've done before, Michelangelo had that same problem with his statue of David. 
the original version <laughs> had an enormous, you know, and, and he, he, he finally yes. chiselled it down and chiselled yeah. it down and went, yeah. <laughs> that I can put up and my mum won't be unhappy. But, so. yeah. <laughs> 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 that might be the most culture, cultured knob gag I've ever heard. <laughs> Uh, uh, what else the other thing I was going to say about this one is that I quite like the yeah the sort of silliness and the the slightly psychedelic uh, imagery in it yes the the sort of jellyfish and that kind of stuff I love the jellyfish I love the idea of chill out music for like specifically for lighthouse keepers yes (laughs) good specificity yeah. Um, so that's another thing about yeah old old classic sketches that I like that that you, you don't get so much in, in newer ones. But just the just the you know silly names, the silly ideas like that. Yeah, but I think that's that's the thing. Now now Nick says that because again, specificity is something we've spoken about in in others of these. It's really important. And I think especially when you're writing something like that, it would be quite easy for things to just be silly. Um, yeah. But actually, you've, you've chosen specifics of silliness that yeah. really work. Thank you very much. Yeah, I like <laughs> you. One of my favourite things in that is the word cockatoo. Cockatoo, yes. And the way you yeah. said it was really nice as well. So, well done you, Karen. It's a very, it's very <laughs> enjoyable, from my point of view as well, actually. It's a very oh, enjoyable role much. to just a, just a straight man. Yeah, I thought you did it really well also, because, again, it sort of had that slightly... Um, old-fashioned way of doing it like you know old-fashioned radio or, or telly in its early days it sort of had that kind of feel to it um, which is you know which suits the the material well yeah I I, I think it, it's quite nice to do something it's a bit sort of has that feel of vintage yes um, mm. moving on quickly from elephant we're going to get seasonal we're going to have the real thing Fake Xmas. Vicky! Heather, come through, come through. Mince pie? Oh, don't mind if I do, thanks. It's from MNS. Mmm. Oh, it's lovely. Didn't bake any from scratch this year. It's such a busy time, isn't it? Oh, your Christmas tree's absolutely gorgeous. Thank you. It's my first fake tree. I love it. Oh, it's beautiful. I used to get real trees every year, but I really can't be bothered now. They can be a bit of a faff, can't they? Absolutely. Having to buy a new one every year, dealing with the water spilling and pine needles falling out all over the place. All that hoovering. By the time it gets to Christmas Day, it's a sorry state. Plus, it's bad for the environment. And thank God for LED lights. They're much easier, aren't they? Yeah, I've decided after last year that Christmas is just too stressful. So if I can find any life hacks, I'll use them. Yeah, life's too short. So have you got any tips? Well, I'm doing fake turkey this year. Oh, you mean that veggie stuff, imitation meat? I suppose there's no defrosting, no salmonella? Nah, it's plastic. Look. Plastic? After last year, I can't be asked. No one ate any turkey because we were stuffed with chocolate and sausage rolls. So this year, it's just for show. So your whole Christmas dinner's made out of plastic? Yep. Plastic turkey, plastic potatoes, plastic sprouts. Wow. And it will last me for years. 
Well, I, I guess if you're cooking less, it means more time with the kids. And I see they've got lots of presents there under the tree. What are they getting this year? Oh, those are just empty cardboard boxes. Really? Everyone knows that kids like ripping off the paper and opening the boxes. They prefer the box to the actual present. So I'm not buying any gifts this year. Wow, that's going to be quite a lesson for Gracie and Tom. But at least you're teaching them the real meaning of Christmas, right? Right. None of this over-commercialisation, just proper quality time spent with family. Nah, I've had it. After last year, I'm not doing a real family this year. What? I've ordered life-size cardboard cutouts of Mark, Mum, the kids and the in-laws. So much easier. There'll be no arguments around the table. So, with your fake tree, fake dinner, fake presents and fake family, what are you going to do on Christmas Day? I'm keeping it real. Going to snuggle up in front of the TV with Father Christmas. Ho, ho, ho! Good grief. Rallies of the clowns. (laughs) 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 An excellent cameo there, Nick, at the end. Yeah, I'd forgotten I was in that sketch. It's so random and bad. I think you can't go too far wrong with that. <laughs> it's the catchphrase. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I, one of the things I really like about that sketch is that it's um, it is an object lesson in grounding and heightening, and it starts in a very recognisable way. Mm. You start with very recognisable things: shop bought mince pies. Yeah, that's fine. That's reasonable. We all know that. A fake Christmas tree. Yeah, that's fine. Fake turkey. Yeah, made of plastic. Plastic turkey. Plastic sprouts. <laughs> Jeez, plastic parsnips is nothing sacred. <laughs> plastic sprouts sounds sounds like a bit of a relief, to be honest. But I love sprouts. Uh, but, but yeah, and, and then on to the no presence and then no family. Yeah. Being a yeah. conclusion. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I enjoyed writing this one. It's actually a sketch that I wrote new. <laughs> it wasn't one I'd written ages ago and returned to. Like uh, and yeah, I kind of liked it because it was sort of talked about uh, a lot of kind of women's work at Christmas, which uh, either isn't talked about much or is is a kind of source of pride <laughs> for, for some people. You know about sort of how how much they're doing to prepare for uh, Christmas and other feasts and holidays, and I'm sort of always slightly disturbed by that. And uh, you know, I've, I've kind of always got off a bit lightly, really, because uh, I've I've sort of been the one travelling to <clears throat> other people's houses who are hosting Christmas. Um, but yeah, I just kind of thought, well, you know, what what would happen if you if you kind of did the shortcut and everything, uh, which, yeah, led to, to kind of plastic sprouts and imitation family. Yeah, I like the imitation family. That would, that, no, especially my family. Oh, yeah. I, I could now put in there's a sort of wish fulfilment in that. Um, so just not have any of them. No, I think that's a really interesting point. There is a sort of, um, there is a sense that Christmas dinner is, is, traditionally something the woman of the house does and yeah. it's a bit and it's all a bit taken for granted while everyone else is doing whatever they want to do yes and there's also yeah. there is a sort of um compulsive stroke pathological thing about about getting it right 
And I, I, I know like my mum who, who, who takes it much easier these days than she used to in terms of Christmas dinner. But I think in the old days, there was almost sort of that pressure of generations of women in her family who've gone before her to yeah. manage what her mother had done. Oh, blimey. Yeah, um, totally. I think that's, um, yeah, definitely sort of what I was trying to tap into. Um, and then I also kind of, like the the um the straight character in this one um there's a sort of desperation of um of always trying to agree and be collaborative and kind of justify what the other person has done mm. and that kind of gets a bit more desperate <laughs> but that's i think that's quite a sort of uh you know it, it's something that's that kind of happens with um sometimes with you know two women talking to each other as well that you're sort of trying to trying to be supportive of the other person and their choices and say you know say that you're you're kind of um you know you're finding the the positive in something which you know most of the time is is a good thing (laughs) but uh you know when you have have a a mad character it's uh, yeah it just becomes more more and more kind of um silly and desperate you know, like not giving your children any Christmas presents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh yes, yes, well, I, I see your point, I suppose. Yes. Is there, is there also quite a British thing there, that thing of not, not wanting to make a scene? Uh, yeah. It, it would yeah. Be, you're in their house, it would be rude to disagree with Yeah, them. yeah. Yes, yeah, I think you're right. Should we move on to the next sketch? I think we should move on to the next sketch. Yeah. Uh, the next sketch is uh, cunningly entitled Skype Surgery. Do you want to say anything about it before we start? Uh, no, just put it on. I think it's kind of self-explanatory. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that a way of trying to get me to say something that's actually yeah. usable in a recording? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. No, it's just the way. It's just the way you said that. No, um, actually. No, no. I, all right. I, I t- I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I can, can say about Skype surgery. Yes. Is that you could also it could also be Zoom surgery, house party surgery, whereby surgery, team <laughs> surgery, or Cisco Webex surgery, or uh, the video conferencing platform of your choice surgery. Are you saying other video conferencing platforms are available? Indeed, that would be a shorter, more succinct way of putting it. <laughs> nice. Let's hear the sketch. Welcome to Skype Doctors, Paul. Oh, thank you for seeing me, Doctor. Oh, you, can you see me? I can see your chest. Tilt the webcam up a bit. Right. Um, this better? That's it, yes. Oh, thank you. I, I would have had to wait five weeks for a normal appointment. No worries. How can I help? OK, well, I, I've got this bad pain in my tummy. I'm quite low down and I, uh, I feel sick and, and I'm burning up. Um, OK, let's take a look. If you just lift your shirt up. All oh, right, OK. Um, and then if you can just... Gently palpate that part of your abdomen Pal- right there. Pal- palpate. I'm afraid you have acute appendicitis, Paul. Oh, oh shit. Uh, your appendix could burst at any moment, so I'm referring you immediately to surgery to remove it. Okay, right, so, uh, so, so I've got to go to the hospital. Transferring you now. What? No. Thank you for using Skype doctors. Hang on. You have been charged £30 for this call. What? Welcome to Skype Surgery, Paul. What? As it's an emergency, there's no time to send over a proper kit. We'll have to improvise. 
Hang on, isn't someone going to send an ambulance? Have you got any alcohol in the house? Well, yeah, I've got some whiskey, but... That's ideal. Drink as much as you can. What? Now. That's... And sterilise your hands. What? No, 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 wait. Can't I just call 999? <laughs> Try if you want. No one's there to answer you. Now, take a scalpel. A scalpel? And make... A vegetable knife will do. What? Take a knife and cut a 7.5 centimetre incision horizontally in your lower right abdomen. You're, you're seriously asking me to remove my own appendix? If you prefer, you could die in agony in a hospital corridor. Good. You're anaesthetised. No, no, I'm not. Now, make the incision. There's no time to lose. Okay. <clears throat> oh my God, the blood! The blood! Oh, I, I need a proper doctor. Now, with pliers, locate the appendix just as I'm showing you here. Well, well I, I can't see you. Are you using full screen? What? Oh, I don't know. My laptop's covered in blood. Can you see me now? Uh, Is your webcam off? Um. Click the blue button. Oh, oh yeah, 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 that works. Okay, now, separate the appendix from the oh, surrounding tissue. No, no, you... From the cecum. What? You, you're breaking up. Oh, now you're, you're frozen. Hello? C can you hear me? Someone help me! And to finish, simply sew the muscles and then the skin together. What? I... Oh, God. Well, well look, look. I, I hope I've done this right. Uh... Oh, no. <clears throat> I think I'm going to pass out. Thank you for using Skype surgery. You have been charged £30,000 for this call. Oh, no! <laughs> Welcome to Skype Bedside Care, Paul. How are you feeling? Oh, terrible. Oh, you'll be better in no time. Your surgery was a complete success and you can go home now. But, but I'm already at home. Yeah, we need to free up the bed, so come on, chop chop, get your things. OK. So... So that, that sketch, which was written, <laughs> I think, in uh, 2018, yes. is all too familiar to people now. <laughs> now. Good two years ahead of Matt Hancock. Yeah, well, most people are two years ahead of Matt <laughs> <laughs> So I think the, the, the takeaway I'm getting from this is that Karen Morden needs to be burned as a witch for being able to see into the future. <laughs> He's just giving away <laughs> my secret <laughs> powers. I knew it. I knew it. I said right on the word go when you first introduced me to her. Um, oh, dear. This is what happens when you join a sketch show oh. run by men. You get accused of being a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> what, was the, what was the idea behind it? Uh, the idea behind it was that, you know, the idea of, doing doctor's appointments online was actually floating around <laughs> at that time and again it's just kind of taking it to its most ridiculous lengths really mm. I mean it does you know just just the fact it's on Skype feels really quaint now so it, it feels quite 
outdated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, because yeah, I guess it's been taken, you know, taken over by other video conferencing platforms. <laughs> and obviously sort of making a point about, uh, you know, NHS underfunding. So I think, yeah, I think there were kind of news stories around at the time with sort of people, uh, you know, being treated in corridors and that sort of thing, just not enough uh, doctors and nurses so it, it was you know from a, a purely logical but not compassionate point of view <laughs> skype surgery so, yeah seems like the logical thing and then it get kind of goes a bit surreal at the end but i mean uh, the, what, what one of the great things about this sketch is is it is very relatable uh, even before covid but now now this has happened it's even more it's weird though i mean i did actually <laughs> listen listening to that now uh i did find it a lot more gruesome than i did when i wrote it because i think you know some as you as you say some of it has become more familiar um you know lots of having to kind of um cope for ourselves because we haven't mm. quite got the same, same kinds of support so there, yeah is, uh, there, there, is, there is a worry <laughs> listening to it that that might actually be closer to the truth than you realized when you first wrote it yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> also, listening back to it, what what you've got there is Phil Whelan's giving you yes. uh, realism. Mm. He sounds in a lot of pain, uh, but yeah. but you see, that's what makes it. That's what makes the comedy work. Is, yeah. And I think I think this is one of the sort of those fundamentals of comedy is you've got to really commit, lean in, lean in. Mm. It's it's the way you've just got to go. Yep, going for this. But also, and again, not for the first time in these it's, it is it's a, a testament to the fact that we have performers who can do that who can carry oh yeah, yeah 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 it's a brilliant performance by phil definitely he, can, he just does it so well and the timing as well is just impeccable which i think is you know part of the conversation that we that we had that you've got on that recording of behind the scenes what we've got here is us in the studio, effectively workshopping this sketch as we went along. In, it was in between take one and take two, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, well, let's have a listen. Um, might help to sort of pace it up as yeah. well. So the yeah. things are getting out of his control. There's almost that thing of, uh, yeah. do this thing. Good, you've done that thing. Go, no, I haven't done that thing. You yeah. know, that's, so, so it's getting, it's yeah. getting, yeah. The, faster faster. their side of it is getting, so he's going... Well, no, I haven't got it yet. You know, so it's really moving mm. almost artificially quicker than he could ever do these things. It's yeah. like, you know, yeah, yeah. make an incision. Good, you've made an incision. Now do the, you know, he hasn't even made the incision. And he's mm. going, well, hang So, you know, maybe just to push it along that yeah. way, you know. Yeah. Um, On this fade out, fade back in. Mm -hmm. Here, how long? I was just thinking that, that it would fade out on the word look. And then just fade back in with on the I'm afraid, just to show that some some time had passed, but to not make it boring. But what you could do is go, okay, let's take a look. Um, yeah. Let's take a look, and if you could gently palpate the area, and maybe <laughs> palpate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then then that I can do that on the fade down, and then the fade back in just the I'm afraid you have a huge appendicitis. Yeah. Support. Okay. Is that all right? But it's uh, yeah, it's it's really interesting hearing that. Um, it, it's an example of Phil Whelan's having this incredible uh, mind for structure and for timing, mm -hmm. um, and sort of relationship between 
uh, two characters um, or more yeah. characters. Well, I think, uh, and it's just how how it kind of relates, and, and just to kind of squeeze squeeze the best sort of comic value out of it, because you've got this character who, yeah, who is in pain, and it, it, it could be quite sort of tragic and horrible if if it's not done right. <laughs> well, I think I think also it, it highlights the 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 fact that when we're in the studio, uh, we've got lots of voices we can listen to, mm-hmm. and everyone's everyone's got the same goal which is having the best sketch we can get and and we we all listen to each other and respect each other's opinions and i think the extent to which sketches are tweaked from the moment we arrive there through the rehearsals through the table read between takes as we saw there there's always new things coming in new ideas yeah yeah, it's so much fun as well as a process. It's not, when I think it's sort of, I think, yeah, like you're saying about respecting people, like if, if a writer really wants to keep a, a particular word or line, they can. But yeah. I usually find that it's it's much better, you know, if, if notes do come through, that, it, you know, it does improve the sketches and it's it's not like, oh, my God, you know, my sketch is being attacked and... and skewered <laughs> cut apart whatever is uh having its appendix out it's uh it's, it's actually you know improves uh the final product and it's it's just done but it's, it's just so fun to do it it's not a chore at all shall we move along to your final sketch of of the extravaganza yes why not okay which Had is enough of the blood and guts yeah well this is very different this is a lovely sketch based on two beloved movie characters who are returning to the screens this year. So again, very timely. Coming soon, two old friends are back. Dude, I can't believe we flunked our accountancy examination. Most heinously. To take you on an epic journey. We've got to labor in this odious office the duration of the summer. Totally bogus. Guys, I need that spreadsheet by tomorrow, or so help me God. Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter return in Bill and Ted's Excel Adventure. How do I freeze pains again? Where every number counts. Now, if you add A1 and B2 and auto sum up to H125, we can find the most resplendent turtle. Totally turtle, dude. And despite setbacks, We're trapped in a circular calculation. No way. Yes way. No way. Yes way. They can discover the meaning of friendship. Ted, I won't let you die, buddy. Take my cells, all of them. But you had the most bodacious field names, dude. And save the universe. If we could just use the de-average function, then autofill from the original document and perform a multi-level sort, we should be able to recover the missing dark matter and reconfigure the entire space-time continuum. Party on! Bill and Ted's Excel Adventure. Everything's a formula. Excel and... Release the clowns. Yeah, I would, I would just like to say I am a witch and that is the actual trailer for the new Bill and Ted film. <laughs> Well, that's one of my favourite sketches we've ever done. Yeah. 
Oh, thank you. Oh, it packs so many gags yeah. in, and it's it it works the it works the formula of the the movie advert perfectly. Yeah. Uh, it works the characters of Bill and Ted perfectly. You have for once Nick not, do, not doing the movie voice guy. I was quite glad about that. <laughs> Tim Keeling, Tim Keeling, who who again that. really nails that oh. sort of light end frothy movie ad guy. Because I think I think for that yeah. we had a conversation around the table for that about which would be which would be the right one yeah. to do. And we came up and Nick uh, Tim absolutely nailed that. And you and Marco, yeah, Marco's brilliant in that. Yeah. And Lenny is the, your boss. Yes. Again, showing how much you can do with just a very small amount of material. She stamped yeah. herself on that. Yeah, yeah. I like the uh, the sound effects and atmos in it as well, because you know, it does sound like they're in an office, but also doesn't detract too much from it being a film trailer as well. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, for, from my point of view, that was a very, very difficult edit um, because it's got so many things in it. But, but yeah, it, it, was, it was fun to put together. What made it easier to put together was the fact it's a very, very clear sketch, really strong. Mm-hmm. All the characters were very clearly defined, so it was easy for the actors to get it right. And everyone... Well, that, interestingly enough, I, now I remember this, Marco had never seen Bill and Ted. No, he hadn't. We had so we to had, go, we kind of had we to, had to. I know, I can understand. What? Nick, Nick just made a face at the idea of <laughs> seeing Bill and Ted, which is quite right. Yeah. Um, if anyone should be burnt at the stake, it's people who've never <laughs> seen Bill and Ted, in so, fact. Um, <laughs> it seems perfectly reasonable to me. But no, we, we went into the, the front room yeah. and sat and watched some clips of Bill and Ted. <laughs> And then he came back, came back to the table read, nailed it first time out at the table read, and then improved it when yeah. we actually got into the recording. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, was, it, was, it was a good day, though. Did you start from the idea of Bill and Ted in an office, or did you start from the fact that Excel is just one syllable away from excellent? I started with the pun. So it was the yeah. <laughs> That's the way to do it. That's the way I <laughs> Start with the pun, build outwards. Yep. Yeah, it started with the pun. It's just one of those things that, well, this is another sketch that I wrote a version of a very long time ago. So, yeah, so it was, it was just that sort of mapping idea of Excel activities and film trailer. And then, yeah, later on, I then went back to do some proper research on Bill and Ted <laughs> trailers and films and rounded out the characters a lot more and and the language. So, yeah, that's that's kind of how it happened. But, it, uh, yeah, it's one of those sketches that, uh, that there's kind of so much material naturally there, I think, so yeah. it sort of puts mm. itself almost. I, 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 I mean, a lot of my sketches come from a gag first. I'll think of a, a gag. It might not be the punchline. It might be the first line or the yeah, last yeah, line or yeah. somewhere in the middle. doesn't matter where. I'll, I'll think of a line that's funny, and then my imagination just extrapolates yeah. around that. If, it, if it's a line, if it's a line that a, a scenario sort of naturally arises from, yeah, then you then you've got something to work with. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love those those moments. Mm. You know. Although I do find it quite frustrating going back through my notebook, finding the number of times actually I've written down a line and nothing came from it. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, there wasn't anything there. That does happen. Yeah. But do you often find that the line, you know, might the initial, you know, you might have an initial line 
or an initial sort of gag that then sparks off the idea of the sketch but then you have to remove the line in the end because it doesn't actually fit it in the sketch fit. anymore yes it's yeah. weird that isn't it that is a weird yeah. thing but that does have that's that's quite hard to do as well what to take it out yeah it's yeah. like but, but you're shooting the parents of all all the gags <laughs> yeah yeah that's <laughs> weird that, that does sometimes happen thankfully that didn't happen with that sketch because you left it as the as the punchline Mm-hmm. Excel adventure. Yeah, that's, that's what makes it so brilliantly stupid. It, it, you, all of that, and it is that pun. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I think, I th- in fact, I think that's an object lesson for anyone who's writing uh, a sketch where you are going to a pun at the end. Nobody minds the pun at the end if the journey is funny. But if the journey isn't funny, people actually get really peeved. Or, no, some of your audience will just journey, get the angry. If the journey works on some level, if there's, if yeah. there's yeah. value to what you go through to get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If all you do, do is go through a series of tortured twists and turns to arrive at a terrible pun, then <laughs> fair play to you, I say. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in, this, in this one, though, I think the pun is the reveal, right? Not just, I mean, it's... Repeated yeah. as the <laughs> yeah. as the ending of the of the sketch, uh, because as as their catchphrase. But I think it, yeah, it's kind of the reveal as well. So <laughs> it's just, the, the the one joke can function as both in this. That's yeah. how lazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know one thing we haven't done so far is an honourable mention. Oh, okay. One of the things I enjoy about this is that I'm always surprised by the things that people pick. Um, They don't necessarily pick the things that I would would have thought of. Um, So I think it's it's worth mentioning a few of the sketches that didn't make the cut. Um, Organ driving comes to comes to mind. <laughs> that was so, never and, my shortlist. <laughs> fantastically mad sketch. Um, coriander trailer. Oh, coriander trailer. Oh, that is, and that's again you and Phil Whelan's. Yeah. Um, line dancing. Line <laughs> dancing is fine. Um, <laughs> but I think the one that most stuck in my mind the one that i was expecting to see come up that didn't book lovers yeah uh that that was my almost in now uh, book lovers is a nice sketch that's that, I is, uh, that was in the list that's a that's a really that's a really great example of taking the game as far as you can possibly go yeah. just just playing the game in every way that you can and that that's a nice sketch for me because uh the idea for that came from just um a sort of practical rehearsal with uh, my sketch chums and monkey wedding and it just came up as a an idea somehow in just you know in, uh, messing around just sort um, of improv an improv thing yeah yeah uh, and it just sort of came up as a, a funny idea to you know that you could you know fall in love with a book as the, as you might a human being not because that's, yeah, that's quite a common turn of phrase, isn't it? Yeah, fall in yeah, love. yeah. I'm a book lover. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, this is the book that made me fall in love with reading. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, sort of taking it to extremes. <laughs> well, we might actually have to play that sketch. Though. Yeah, you could have given me an extra one now. Why not? 
Why not? It's okay. a great sketch. I think it's personally, I think it should be there. Are okay. you ready? Roll tape. Welcome to the first in our new series on Radio Snore, in which a panel of experts tells us about their favourite book. With us are literary critic Paul Brennan. Hello. Award-winning physicist Shauna Trussell. Hello. Poet and novelist Ronald Willis. Hello. And politician Derek Delanyard. Good evening. Shauna, if I may start with you, what is your favourite book? It's a no-brainer for me. Definitely Emma. Oh, perfection. Emma by Jane Austen. Yes. And why have you picked this particular book? Well, I was just wandering around a second-hand bookshop and my eyes were suddenly drawn to... Well, I wouldn't normally judge a book by its cover, but there was Emma staring up at me. I'd recently been through a very messy divorce and I found a sort of kindred spirit, so to speak. And what is it about Austen's writing that you like? I just love all of Emma. What a book. After I took her home, we ended up in bed together. I couldn't put her down. She kept me up all night. I didn't get that with my ex. That's quite a response. Paul, what's your favourite? I was just idly browsing Amazon. I swiped right, and then I saw the girl with the dragon tattoo. It was love at first sight. Life-changing. And what do you think of Stieg Larsson's other Millennium Trilogy books? I haven't read them. The girl with the dragon tattoo and I are going steady. What? Are you two actually saying that you're having romantic relationships with these books? I'd had a few one-night stands with cheap, trashy airport novels, The Da Vinci Code, some Jeffrey Archers, but they didn't mean anything. Now I've really found the book I want to be with for the rest of my life. A lot of people don't understand. I was in a restaurant just the other day and Emma was sitting opposite me. We were looking forward to a lovely candlelit meal. But we waited ages to be served because the waiter thought I was just reserving the seat. We face this kind of prejudice every day. This is ridiculous. Surely we can all enjoy and share some classic stories that enrich our lives. Ronald, if I can turn to you, please tell me you read more than just one book. Oh yes, I definitely do that. With my partner, 1984 by George Orwell. I can't believe I'm saying this on Radio Snore, but... We sometimes visit the local library. (laughs) And? We swap around. I might take Brave New World. I I go for dystopians. While 1984 will snuggle up on a shelf with the wind in the willows. Derek, I am completely monogamous with three men in a boat and I refuse to listen to rumours. You are all completely mad. Books are an art form. Mass-produced items for everyone. Look, I've got a copy of Emma right here. (gasps) Emma! No! How could you? (laughs) And I can download three men in a boat. How dare you? And the girl with the dragon tattoo onto my Kindle any time I want. Oh, yes, we've dabbled with Kindle. In fact, I'm doing it now. Draggy tats, you promised this wouldn't happen again. Homewrecker, (laughs) what what am I going to do now? Well, my autobiography has just come out in hardback. Here. Hello. You can have this copy if you like. The spine's a bit damaged, I'm afraid. Oh, perfect for a rebound relationship. Relief. 
plans. Holy shit! Holy shit! Oh, the pun is earned. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's brilliant. I've forgotten that pun. Oh, thankfully that sketch didn't start out from from that pun. (laughs) Oh, that's that's a beautiful sketch. Well done. That's really great. Oh, thank you. Props to Phil Nice, just keeping it rolling along. And it, 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 he's funny as soon as he starts talking. Yes. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, Phil, Phil is. Phil, Phil Nice is funny as soon as he starts talking. That's been a problem for him throughout most of his adult life. <laughs> <laughs> it tragically forced him into the ghetto of comedy writing and performance. Yeah, exactly. Where he <laughs> longs to be taken seriously. But, yeah, I... And also, it's the asides along the way. You had one in the middle of that. Um, oh, yes. With, we we dabbled with Kindle. Kindle. <laughs> those, that, it, those bits really, really, really work well. But I think those things are easier when, when the, the characters have, have been so clearly drawn. Yes, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, thanks. So they're, they're very well timed. It, it does, you know, those um, ad libs were really good in that sketch i think the performances were, were really good and it elevated the sketch to another level also i think it's just it's very nice to be able to do a, an ensemble piece mm. yeah not a two or three hander but something where actually everyone we all cram into the the studio yeah yes we all cram <laughs> into the studio but uh, the the two two fields phil williams and the phil nice are both very good i think at at sort of um, organising and directing a larger group of people. Mm. And they're, they're quite good at kind of saying, oh, we need a bit of extra richness in there. Mm. You know, how about this? Sort of, um, you know, literally putting stuff between the lines so it isn't just kind of a game of ping pong or something. Yeah, I agree completely. I, I, I think that's one of the nicest things of uh, uh, working with them because they've got lots of experience mm-hmm. in doing that. Yeah. Oh, now I'm starting to think, who haven't I said is good in these sketches? I've probably, you know... Well, Casper was in that sketch. Have. <laughs> have yeah. Casper's had plenty of praise. That's true, he does get praise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone want praise? Was that your your Casper impersonation? He's never going to talk to me again now. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like Mickey Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what North Americans sound like to you? Yeah. (laughs) All North Americans. (laughs) Donald Trump or Donald Duck, they all sound like that. First he slags off Southampton and then he slags off the entire (laughs) continent of North America. <laughs> I've got two. I suppose they're linked. I suppose there is a link between those two. Flags. Yeah, because they left Southampton to go to <laughs> on the mainland. Was it? Are you sure? Yeah, it's the liners that they used to go from. So there are plenty of do. people. Plenty of people left Southampton yeah. to go to the New World, yeah. but the um the Pilgrim Fathers were from, went from Plymouth. Yeah, but I mean, look, you say that. And you teach history, but I think, I believe, <laughs> I believe that's not the case. So obviously I'm right and you're full of bullshit. Just presenting an alternative fact there, Nick, aren't you? I am. I am an alternative fact. <laughs> <laughs>
And just factually alternative. Well, I think I think possibly on that note that Karen Morden has had finally admitted to being factually alternative. That <laughs> 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 we should not this virago of idiocy, this cavalcade <laughs> of nonsense, and say thank you very much, Karen. Thank you very much, Karen. Oh, thank you very much for having me and uh, letting me talk about the silly sketches. Goodbye, everybody. Oh, bless your hearts. Release the Clowns starred Joe Tilly, Casper Michaels, Phil Nice, Karen Morden, Alex Marion, Phil Whelans, Martin Hyder, Nick Hildred, Lenny Pickardafnis, Marco Chu and Tim Keeling. It was written by Karen Morden, who is not in league with Beelzebub. The social media warlock is Dan Willis, and the acolytes of evil preparing the show for the coming of the Dark Lord are Nick Hildred and Alex Marion. If you want to hear more from Karen Morden and Joe Tilly, check out some of their other comedy wares at monkeywedding.co.uk. We would like to point out that no monkeys were harmed during the making of this show, although Karen's cat did come in at one point and slightly maul her. Yes, for some reason, as we were discussing whether Karen's clear vision of the future counted as witchcraft, her black cat arrived and stopped her from telling us any more. And now I'm slightly worried. See you in two, unless we've been turned into toads.